0: just said you're, was it, everything scares you? Okay, so do you want to get into why everything scares you? Uh,
1: Sure, Uh, I'm just a classically really introverted person and um, I think that I experience the most out of life when I'm supremely uncomfortable, (laughs) so um, generally if I know I'm going to talk to somebody or if I know there's like some sort of agenda, uh, I guess, I guess I just, I feel the typical like heart rate go up and you know, you don't know what, what to expect, or I don't, I don't know. It's weird that I ended up in uh, performance for that reason, but but I think those are the ones that make me feel really good about what I'm doing.
0: That makes sense. So, given that, I think that's a great segue into telling the listeners who you are and how it is that I know you.
1: Okay. So, I'm Dale Stones. I'm one of the co-founders of uh, Boston's All Male Burlesque Troops for and uh, we've actually performed together a couple times, uh, you and I, and uh you know, there's a lot of crossover between comedy and burlesque, and so at uh, a lot of different shows that we do, um, you know, it's it's always a nice surprise to see people that I know, especially comics that I really enjoy the stylings of, and say, hey, you know, I'm happy you're in the show with me. So definitely in that category.
0: Thank you very much. So how, if you are afraid of everything, did you get started in burlesque?
1: Uh, well, I just don't ask follow-up questions, and that's part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, the big thing, I think, was uh, I went to go to... Uh, I w- I went to a show of mine, or not show of mine, uh, a show that one of my friends is doing I, when I was waiting tables, um, and she was very insistent that, you know, people come out to shows, she was just like, hey, yeah, you should come see me, whatever, you know, everyone should do this, and uh, I did because I, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot going on in the social calendar at that time, but I was scared to go, so I brought my best friend at the time, and um, he was really into it, so... Uh, so he was an extra in one of the big shows. The show was Quest for the Golden Pasties by Rogue Burlesque. Okay. Uh, and the, it was this big theatrical production and I, I saw him on stage. I saw he was having a great time. He was a lawyer in a courtroom scene and he got suffocated between the defendant's breasts like <laughs> in the creation of her superhero persona or supervillain, I think it was. Um, and I was just like, that looks like a lot of fun. And he was like, yeah, let's do more shows. When can we work together again? and uh, they were like, well, we don't really have anything coming up, but if you want to perform more, why don't you start your own troupe of just guys, and you could be our brother troupe, and his answer in his typical fashion was, fine, I will, and I happened to be the first person he asked, and I was just like, sure, and that was that. I didn't say <laughs> why, or how is this going to happen, or what's the plan? It was just, there we were on stage a month later, and uh, there was no going back. All right. Yeah.
0: So what were some of the things that, you were nervous about at first? Maybe some things that you aren't nervous about anymore.
1: Oh, geez. Um, so getting naked in front of more than one person is typically <laughs> something I think would scare anybody. Right. Uh, and so I, I definitely, before I was about to get on stage to do my first striptease, um, that gave me the, the nervous pee. Um, like, <laughs> like I think I, I think I ran back and forth to the bathroom like five times before I went on stage. Um, but yeah, this having to learn choreography, making sure everything goes right, doing something you've never done before is all, that, that was all... The most terrifying thing. And the second part of that, I think, is that when you've done it enough times, you start to get a little bit more complacent with it.
0: Okay.
1: And yeah, yeah, it's it sort of feel easier over time.
0: So did you have any dance background?
1: None whatsoever. <laughs> yeah.
0: And now how much of the choreography for Cirlesque do you do?
1: Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> so I've had a lot of dance experience since then, uh, incidentally. Uh, <laughs> So I've I've spent a little bit of time doing West Coast Swing. Um, I uh, yeah, uh, and I know that there's a lot of group numbers that we do, and because I've spent a little bit of time like learning West Coast Swing thanks to a lot of different people in my life, um, that's been a big significant factor in adding in stuff for choreography. Like you get inspired when you like see other people doing other things that are unrelated, and, and of course my mind always goes, well, how can I turn this into a perverted striptease? So yeah, so um, so that's. Uh, I would say for our show coming up, that's on Wednesday and Thursday, I've choreographed um, one out of the two big group numbers that we're doing. And of course, you know, you choreograph all your own solos. Um, Right. Yeah, it's never a good idea to have someone else choreograph your solo. Why is that? Uh, Because they have a different idea of how it would look and, you know, they move differently, you move differently, they might have a different body type and they might be able to do some things um, that you can't do. I mean, when you bring somebody in, they say, all right, do this and they do this. They, like, get down on the ground and do something crazy with their legs, and you're like, well, I, I can't do that. I'm going to hurt myself. That's a good reason why <laughs> why not.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So a lot of people don't know exactly what burlesque is, and they also don't know. When I first went to a burlesque show, I wasn't sure about the difference between, like, burlesque and stripping. How are those two things related, and how are they different?
1: Uh, see, I feel like you're in just as much a position to answer this as I am because you've actually had that experience. Um, I, and I think that one of the big things is that striptease is well actually to quote to sort of paraphrase the way i heard it i forget who said this but this is sort of common in uh, in, in burlesque lore um, which is that the difference is a stripper will spend uh... will make will spend an entire evening strip doing striptease and then getting uh... making like five hundred bucks and spending five dollars on an outfit whereas a burlesque dancer will spend five hundred dollars on an outfit and go home with five bucks at the end of the night um, but in a, in a less uh facetious way, I think um, I think the biggest differences are that uh, when people go to a strip show they're not expecting a story, they're not expecting a character they're not expecting a few minutes of storytelling they're, they're just expecting some raw, visceral, like oh, I'm going to take off my clothes and try to entice you in that way. Yeah. Um, it's a hustle for them I mean, it's a hustle for us, but it's a different hustle it's right. one where we enjoy the story, we enjoy the journey we enjoy creating that scene on stage
0: Would you say that there are Two different audiences in that way. So, like one audience who may be coming to burlesque specifically male burlesque, expecting more of the titillation and less of that story and that journey.
1: Oh, those are they're two different audiences. Okay. Oh my goodness, and they don't they don't fit well with each other. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you what <laughs> how guess. so. Yeah, so the. One experience comes to mind I think we we're at a show I forget what show it was but I was an audience member for it and um, there were a couple of a uh, couple of really broish dudes in the audience or you know mid 30s looking um, you know backwards baseball hat type wearing like the type you wouldn't see at a burlesque show and right. you know they're getting loud and like really rambunctious and like throwing like dollars on just generally interfering with the act they ended up getting tossed because I think that what they were expecting was probably something different than what they were right. handed and then I actually have an experience where I, I went to a strip club once yeah, one, one time notably, and uh, with uh, a friend of mine who was having his bachelor party, and I remember just being uncomfortable the entire time and going like, and, you know, of course, he's coming up to me every now and again, checking in on me. He's just like, you know, don't you do this? Aren't you okay with this sort of thing? And I'm just like, I, I can't explain it in the time frame of, like, us being here, and I don't want to ruin it, so I'm just going to be in this corner being really awkward and miserable.
0: So what was that? What was that awkward, miserable feeling coming from?
1: Um, I, I guess it was just the culture of the patrons it was just like people go there with a different expectation they, yeah. they're there to have that I don't know to, to, to be I guess fulfilled sexually to like have this uh, to have this experience that yeah. I feel like is very entitled and just feels gross you know? Got it. but I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to judge but I'm clearly <laughs> passing judgment <laughs> So,
0: you mentioned how the patrons are very different if you're trying to go to a strip club versus if you're at a burlesque show what are the audiences at a burlesque show usually like?
1: Oh, they're insanely supportive. They're they're people that um, that really latch onto your character and your identity, and they wanna they wanna see what else and what are the creative ideas you want. They're also nerds. There's a lot of nerds um, that will go to a show. They they kind of want to see your take on a specific character. Like a lot of stuff that that I do is very character driven. So if I if I show up on stage as Captain America, people who are fans of Marvel are gonna wanna say they're they're gonna wanna go just to see that. Right. And, you know, to date, i maybe run that act like 30 or 40 times. So, um, yeah, so I feel like people are really enthusiastic about that. They're really excited about themes, and they're generally very body positive, okay. which is something that you don't find a lot of in, you know, strip club culture necessarily.
0: Yeah. I have never seen anyone – there's a range of body types in burlesque that I have never seen in a strip club. I've only been to one strip club, so it's, like, not a comprehensive experience, but that one had, like, no <laughs> diversity. Uh
1: so me what was like the that strip club.
0: Like, how did you end up there? Oh, how, how, okay, he asked me how I ended up in a strip club. Uh, so I was in New Orleans uh, for a scientific conference in college. And we were walking around on the last day because we had all presented our work. And there was this dude who was like, hey, ladies, we got dudes dancing in the back. you got to come in and see the strip show. Um, so we are at Christopher's. Uh, we will get into why that is your favorite place in Boston in a second, but I'll finish my story really quickly. Uh, and so we didn't know anything about what we should do in New Orleans. We had seen enough people vomiting on the streets, so we were like, yeah, sure, we'll go see dudes dancing in the back. But they're like, they're um, they're not ready yet, so you have to sit in the lady part for right now. <laughs> and then we went in the back, and they were like, they were not, like, you guys have a, date. like, you have choreography, you have, like, Whole thing that you're doing. This was just like three dudes who just seemed like they had been pulled off the street, like right before they were in like construction outfits, but like not like construction costume. They were like in work clothes. <laughs> it was, it was a very strange, uh, it was a very strange interaction for my first strip club experience. Sounds
1: like a real bargain bin experience that you had there.
0: <laughs> um, one guy asked me if I went to his high school, so. No, I was in New Orleans. I'm not from New Orleans. But he said it in the current tense, which really bothered me. Like, wait, like, are you in high school? Like, are you giving me a lap dance, you weird high schooler? Like, so that's my strip club experience. I have some other strip club experience. Yeah, we don't need to go there. Um, so we are at Christopher's. Can you tell me about why this is your favorite place in Boston?
1: Yeah, so um, I, this was, um, this is my first real uh, place that I had ever had sat down and had anything to eat in Boston and it's never failed me. Like I've never come back here and said man I wish I didn't eat that XYZ thing on the menu. Yeah and so um, I actually uh, lived right down the street with someone when I first uh, met here uh, um, and it was right up here on Mass Ave and so I found myself coming in here frequently and um, It's been maybe five and a half years, and I just, I really appreciate this place. It's like the idea, it's easy to settle here. Like, you can just be like, no matter what you're hungry for, no matter what kind of ambiance you want, there's always some sort of middle ground that you can just be like, ah, shit, well, I'll just go to Christopher's. That's fine. And that's what does it for me.
0: That makes sense. So, you said the first time you came here was about five and a half years ago. Where did you live before then?
1: So, I'm originally from Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah. Not far away, but just far enough.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So... So, what brought you from Worcester to Boston?
1: Uh, oh, jeez, it's the—I think it was the—I think it was the um, I think it was the, uh, the sad pursuit of journalism that brought me here. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: um, so I, I studied journalism in college, and I know that you know going back to Worcester and you know doing that doing the the walk of shame tail between the legs, like after college, here's my degree. What am I gonna do with it? Sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, after spending a couple of years and really not having any journalism leads, there really are no markets in Worcester um, yeah. that, you know, beyond the one newspaper that, you know, everyone just sort of regards as gospel. Um, but I, I primarily had a background in television news, which there really isn't any in Worcester, and I know that that's all here, and I know Boston's a pretty large market, but at a certain point, I was just like, you know what? I'm spinning my wheels in my hometown. Yeah. Um you know, I could work a restaurant gig for my, the rest of my life and just sort of old and die at my dad's house, but right. I decided that If I'm going to make it happen, it's got to be somewhere. And I figure Boston was the only place in Massachusetts I hadn't really started a chapter in my life in. Nice. Yeah.
0: So in your time in Boston, how have you seen it change?
1: Oh, geez. Um, So (laughs) when I was younger and I used to visit here, um, I know that, there were lot, I used to come here for all the wrong reasons. Like, there were, there were, like, nightclubs and, and dance spaces that I used to really enjoy going to. Um, you know, being a younger, early 20-something, insecure-ish type, and then coming out and spending time, like, at, say, Avalon, which I know is closed and doesn't exist anymore. Oh, yeah. That's, like, where the House of Blues is, I think, now. Right, right, right. Um yeah, and I, I just know that that's not there anymore, and I think it's probably for the best. <laughs>
0: Why is it for the best?
1: Because it means I don't have to like still go there and like chase this idea that like dancing in clubs with people is fun. It's not. It's not. Never has been. We're lying to ourselves.
0: I like, I like dancing. I think it requires a certain amount of alcohol. Uh, if you don't enjoy drinking that amount of alcohol, then no, you're never going to like going to a club. Like It's just never going to happen. Some people do drugs. I don't do drugs, but I see also why drug users like going to clubs, yeah.
1: Yeah, you had a, you had a whole discussion about that in one of your previous episodes uh, at The Silhouette with, um, who was it? Uh, Adam Langham? Was that it? Uh, Langlois, yeah. Langlois. Jeez. He's going to hate me because I messed his name up if he ever hears this. Um,
0: he won't. He doesn't listen to
1: this. Yeah, he's leaving town anyway, if I remember, so... Uh, yeah, come at me, bro, if you're out there. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, no, and I, I have this awful memory of, like, being, I think, 20 or 21 years old and driving up here with a friend and, like, he was over twenty-one and I wasn't, and like him buying like just a couple of flasks of Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, which is like the quintessential bum wine, yeah. and then just us getting like wasted on that before going into the club, and then we sobered up driving back to Worcester, and it was terrible.
0: That doesn't sound fun at all.
1: Yeah, that's you would nailed it.
0: <laughs> what kind of people were you meeting in these situations?
1: Uh, all the wrong ones. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it was so far enough ago, and there was enough. I think debauchery that I don't think I have any cherished memories, and that's kind of the way I think I should keep it. All right. Yeah. So cool. yeah. All
0: right. So, what did you order?
1: All right. So, uh, I just got
0: some buffalo tofu. Uh,
1: this is a really fun app for me. Like, this is, okay, another thing I love about Christopher's is they made me like tofu more than they, I like the chicken on the menu. Yeah, I'm not vegetarian by any stretch.
0: I was about to ask. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, but I'm just like, I, I will gravitate towards that like 60 40 over the buffalo chicken tenders, which are like the same thing. So. Yeah.
0: That is impressive. I got a tofu salad uh, because I'm trying to be healthy. It's like a whole thing. But uh, all right, based on your comments on the buffalo tofu, I think this is going to be good. I'm going to pause it so you can actually eat some of that. <laughs> okay. All right. So, how were your buffalo tofu bits?
1: They're awesome. Uh, yeah, I, so I usually get the hiccups when I eat spicy food, like if it's past a certain threshold of spicy.
0: I also get that.
1: Oh, my God, you do too? Yes. So a few people do it, and oh, we get made fun of, right? Yes. All the time. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so if it gets to that point and I hiccup pleasantly, I, like, I enjoy it. My body doesn't want me to, right. but they were good. So that's how I know.
0: All right. Nice. That's a good measure. No, it's super embarrassing if I'm like at work or like trying to be like, Oh, on a date is the worst, where you're like, I swear I'm a normal person. I just can't control these spasms of my body when I eat spicy food.
1: Yeah, I do, I do the same thing. Like, I'll be saying something mid sentence, and then all of a sudden, like, I'll hiccup, and because it's my mouth is open, it'll sound like a gunshot. It'll be, like, startling, and someone will <laughs> be like, What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm with there. I'm with you.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so, let's get back to burlesque. You do a lot of characters. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about some of the. Okay. Do you say acts, performances? How do you describe them? I uh,
1: we we say acts or routines. Okay. Um, like I don't think there's a like a complex about what we call them. But okay. you know, But um, uh, I know I know that's something that sort of exists for comedy. But yeah, because I had somebody school me about that recently. Um, but yeah, no, we we call them um, we call them routines or acts. And I have a couple of characters that I do pretty frequently. I'm usually typecast as like blonde type characters. Um, so I've done Aquaman. I've done Captain America. Uh, superheroes, too, now that I think about it. Let's make that connection now. Um, But uh, I was in D.C. uh, this weekend, and um, I was doing a show called Whedonism, and um, they brought my Spike character down. Uh, So I do a really good Spike. I I really enjoy, um, you know, the Buffy universe. And... um, yeah, uh, there's a Dark Knight in the Asylum where I, I've been brought back to do Commissioner Gordon a couple times.
0: Really? He's one of my favorite. Okay, sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. If it's... It's
0: like, do you wear glasses?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got so many photos. I got so many photos of it. All it was. Right. It's a fun character to play. I get to be curmudgeonly, and it's it's less burlesque and more, I guess, character acting. But you know, they're all one and the same. Yes. You know, in our scene, so you know, the lines blur. All right.
0: So, how much of the Boston scene would you say is that like? pop culture character referential stuff
1: you know uh here more than most places it's i would say probably a pretty even split like there's a good chance if you go to a show that's you know has a themed billing uh there's a good chance that that you'll find either a list of uh a a list of different characters that people are trying to do and it's sort of worked into a general theatrical experience or it's just like a cabaret and like it's just everyone coming on doing different characters right um, I know that there was a traveling show which is actually starting up again called Burlesque is Coming which is the only Burlesque tribute show endorsed by George R. R. Martin. They go visit a Mass Theatre. Um, they performed at uh, Davis Square Theatre last year and I went to go see it and uh, that was just an assortment of tribute characters and the host was a guy who was doing like the Varys character um, you know, the Master of Whispers and he was very good. Um, and everyone just did Burlesque versions or sideshow versions of their favorite Game of Thrones characters.
0: Okay, I, I love Game of Thrones. Tell me more, like, what does sideshow mean in this context?
1: Uh, you know, just just random crazy things that people do. Like, the, the one guy who was uh, playing Tyrion um, did this, had this whole sideshow bit where he was, like, hammering nails into his nose and, like, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, swallowing sharp objects, that, that kind of thing.
0: That, like, when you, just the description of that viscerally, like, affects me. <laughs> so, sorry that you're getting a lot of weird noises, listeners. Uh... The idea of someone swallowing a very sharp object bothers me so deeply I could not watch it. <laughs> um, how many shows would you say there are for burlesque on like a given night or in a given week?
1: There's usually one every weekend uh, on some corner of Boston. Uh, I know that. I know that um, you know generally every weekend there's always something to do. Occasionally a weekend will pass by where there isn't anything, but generally people all um, you know know each other in the burlesque scene here and like have sort of. A cohesive idea of when everyone else's shows are and they usually don't overlap but when they do it's uh, I guess it's not great but there's maybe like at most two or three in a week and yeah. at least um, maybe there'll be two or three in a month Okay. yeah
0: so has the scene grown in the last couple of years or is it pretty steady in its size
1: so it I think it's remained pretty steadfast in size, but what's interesting is like the the life cycles has been changing. So there's been a lot of folks that you know season performers that I, I really enjoy and respect who have you know maybe sunsetted their their characters and, and said you know I don't want to do this anymore or they moved away. And in the meantime, there's always like new crops of performers who are just seeing it for the first time, saying I really want to get into it and they want to try it for the first time. And you know I teach an amateur class, so I've had to teach like new genera. I'd say I've had to as if it was like drudgery, but I've gotten to experience what that's like to like be someone's first impression and teach them right. things that I wish I knew as a young fledgling burlesque performer. And so it's, it's fun to see those people starting to get gigs and being welcomed into the community. Okay.
0: So what is the progression? So say you start off, you're just doing your first shows. Where do you go from there? And then how does that continue on?
1: So I, this question was asked to me in one of my classes, uh, the second class I ever taught. Uh, one of the guys it would just ask me one of the questions. He, he said, "You know, how do I book more shows?" Which I think is at the core of what you're what you're asking me. So it's like, how do you how do you get into the game and start playing? Um, the answer I had at the time was kind of woefully inadequate for answering. You know what you've asked. It was basically just, you know, stay involved. You know, continue to talk to different performers and say hey I have this idea and you know sooner or later people look to you and say hey you could be this person I need for my show or if they like working with you enough or if you help out enough they'll say all right well you know I need an act you know you're up um but I think that there's um I've sort of had like a charmed uh existence in coming into the scene and I got to recognize that like, at the time, me and the two guys I started burlesque with were the only game in town, and it's been that way for a long time. So we started out as a partner of Rogue Burlesque, who, you know, they were very good to us. They taught us some basics um, about feminine striptease, uh, and more on that later. Um, I still used a lot of those mannerisms until somebody said, maybe you shouldn't, but I'll, I can talk about that. Okay. Um, but, um, But having... Uh, having had the opportunity to have, like, equal billing with our with our sister troop right. um, was an opportunity that we were afforded that was probably undeserved given how inex- inexperienced we were, but we're glad that they gave us a shot. Nice. Yeah.
0: So, how would you go from there? Like, I think there's one, like, famous burlesque that I had ever heard of before I, like, met more people in burlesque. So how would you go from, like, where you are to say, like, I don't even, like performances in las vegas i don't know how any of it works yeah
1: so it's it's kind of its own sort of industry and i and i say that because i know people who make a living doing it but it's a bootstrap living like you know if you're really good at singing or if you're really good at um you know kicking a soccer ball like at some point there's some top tier like there's some there's some way that you're gonna you're gonna be made doing it um, you know if not everybody gets there but with burlesque the top tier is you get to do it without having to have a second job and you can sort of travel around and have people maybe pay you a little bit more because you're notorious for it um, but really it's just reputation and everyone's sort of accessible to each other and what I mean by that is that the people that I know that are sort of in the top tier are people that I've met and have been like oh yeah it's really cool to me I've heard a lot of about you and like they're sort of just down earth people like you are so right. it's not it's not celebrity in that way but okay. it's celebrity and just like your reputation has become so pervasive that people will ask you to headline for like festivals and you can kind of maybe name your price within reason at that point right. yeah
0: that's pretty awesome so like for instance the dc thing they like asked you to come down so like so you're at that so you're at the level
1: i hey i, I wouldn't <laughs> suck it that far no i still there's still performers that I like idolize that I would consider like a, a tier up above me. Like I, I think um, if I can if I can pat myself on the back, I feel like I've gone a long way in Boston. I feel like I've started at a place where I should have been pulled off a stage as soon as <laughs> as, soon as people saw what I was doing. Right. To to now it's like people ask me for a lot. So, like I, my my calendar looks like you know 10 to 12 shows a month. Nice. Um, but you know I, I'd still like there's still performers that like when I was at um, big old burlesque expo in montreal um... there was a huge boston turnout there um, there was a performer there who i idolized who i took class with and um, james the giant pasty who's based out of toronto um... and he's the founding member or one of the founders of boy less TO, and they're great they've been around for seven or eight years now um, but yeah he's you know he got asked to headline that festival and he has this act um... where he's a frog and somebody kisses him in the audience you find someone to give him a kiss in the audience and then you know prince is you, know, you don't have to be to, you don't have to be rich to be my girl and um, is that the name of the song this is i'm really bad
0: i i should know yeah. but i don't know
1: yeah i know there's a name for that song but i just damn it i'm gonna get i'm gonna get killed here on this part
0: oh you're gonna get killed they're gonna be like Canise, how dare you <laughs> this is offensive to us okay sorry sorry yeah, so,
1: yeah edit that out uh so <laughs> yeah so yeah so he's, he's he's dancing as a frog to that song doing a strip tease and like he, he He's on this lily pad, which turns out is a cape. And, like, he wraps himself in the cape and turns out, like, he becomes he, like, a like, frilly collar and, like, a giant dong piece with a prince symbol on it. So he's, like, the frog prince. Yeah. And I saw that, and I was, like, that's so beautiful and amazing, and I wish I'd thought of it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then he had this moment with us where, you know, he came up to us afterwards and was just, like, we need to team up. Like, let's do, like, a Tio Sirlesque thing. Like, we'll figure let out. Let's, let's talk yeah. dates. And I was sitting there, like... Nearly shedding my pants because I was just like, "This guy is great," yeah. and he wants to team up with us. And I, yeah, so.
0: That's really nice. Yeah. That sounds fun. It hasn't happened yet.
1: It hasn't happened yet. But yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, but 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 with that came a little bit of self-reflection that maybe said, "Maybe maybe I might be able to get there someday. Maybe like this is, maybe I'm climbing the ladder." Yeah.
0: Would you want to be able to like quit your day job and just do this full time?
1: Oh no. No, that's, I I like having a little bit of money and living a little bit comfortably. And at the end of the day, I know this is just really a hobby that we all get to do. And I'm not going to be, I I don't think I could ever have the frame of mind of being someone who takes this so seriously that, that, that I don't know, that I just sort of cast other things that are important in my life to the side just because I need more stage time. I just don't know that I could ever reconcile myself with that.
0: That is something that comedians are constantly Thinking about or doing, so it's interesting to see how that works in other creative circles. That's really cool. Um, okay, there are two things I want to get back to. One, you were talking about like feminine movements, and you were like, and then I had to get away from them. But we'll talk about that later. So that, all right. Tell me more about that.
1: Oh, geez, yeah. So, so the first class that I ever took in burlesque, after going to see several, several shows, so I mean I had an idea what it was about, but, um, but the Rogues of Rogue Burlesque, they they taught us a class and. Uh, me and the, the other two guys that were the founding members of Sturlesque, um took a lot of movement cues from them, and they d- they they told us to do stuff like you know you can you know peel your clothing away and like do very like you know shoulder rolls and right. you know twists and shimmies and things like that, which are sort of endemic in Burlesque and sort of like iconic. But yeah. um, but the the thing that I was thinking of that that really that I did for years after that I rightfully should have been allowed to <laughs> um, the shirt unbuttoning, yeah. like. Y- think about how most people unbutton their shirt. They just they just sort of you know have like little like beak shaped fingers and they do that. <laughs> but like the way you do it if you're on stage is like you flare your fingers out and just do it with the two fingers and yeah. you know and I was still doing that and people were like, so I I don't know if anyone's told you this, Dale, but um that looks really feminine. You need to like if you're if you're doing a really masculine character and you start unbuttoning your shirt like that, you're just you you're just you, you you're fucking up. <laughs> Yeah, and so I was just like, oh man, you're right. So I had to, yeah, so a lot of that was just self-realization and and growth.
0: Nice, so that's really interesting to me. How much of like examining the normal way a person does a movement and then adding a spin on it or like, yeah, because everyone does take their clothes off. Like how much of the normal motion do you have to consider when you're creating an act?
1: So a lot of it's just doing it in front of a mirror and figuring out what looks good. And a lot of people don't realize when they first get to stage that you have to do your movements a lot bigger. Right. Um, that doesn't always necessarily mean every single movement you do has to be big and vibrant and like, you know, if someone standing behind you, you'd clock them in the face. That's happened. More on that later. Um, okay. But uh, what's, what I think is most important is that you know what it looks like and you know like when I when you take off your shirt like let's say you have like a button down shirt like this one I'm wearing and like all of the buttons are undone normally you probably just like take one side off peel it down take the other side off peel it down or whatever if you don't want to get it wrinkled maybe you'll just fold it over but yeah. um but what I want to do instinctively on stage is I want to throw it open with my arms wide and right. just like shake my chest a little bit and yeah. um and that's not something you do in the confines of your bedroom
0: right <laughs> unless, you
1: know unless a really good song is playing <laughs>
0: yeah I think we've all been there I think Okay, I've been there. Okay, all right. So when you talk about doing that practice of like actually watching yourself and looking at that, is that one of the things that the people that you teach have an issue with, or what are some of the things that they are normally stuck on that you really have to coach them out of?
1: Oh, geez, there's so much being self-conscious that comes with doing this, and every I give everyone who starts this out so much credit for being in a room with a whole bunch of other people who've never done it before, and they have to look at each other and themselves in a mirror. Mm -hmm. Most okay, so especially in in guy culture, I'm going to call it that because I don't don't think there's another name for what I'm trying to describe, but there's, it's kind of like a locker room effect. Like, guys are going to be a little bit weird about seeing other guys undressed because that's how they feel like they should act. So when they all get in a room with the express purpose of, all right, we're all going to do striptease, I feel like they have to overcome a major hurdle that society puts there, and there's a lot of that that you have to work through just from the get-go. So if everyone's doing the same thing, then no one has a problem generally, at least that's been my experience and then once you do it and then once you get on stage and experience that high then all of a sudden you're just like what was I even worried about in the first you're thinking about when can I get back up there Okay. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. that's good because I was like I having tried it uh, cannot it's hard for me to imagine like taking a class and being like okay so we all um, alright cool like I the nervousness level would be very very high for me so what are some things that when people are starting out that they do that you're like dear god stop doing that
1: Oh, 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 uh, <laughs> that's rough. Um, so one of the big things that I caution everybody against is having a really prop-heavy first act. Um, and that's kind of exhausting, because whenever you have, like, a, I, I call them what's in the bag. I call them what's in the bag acts. So if if someone comes up on stage and there's like 15 things in their bag, then the act is about your props. It's not about you taking your clothes off. And people are like, oh, here's this thing I brought. Okay, what's the next thing I brought? And then it's just, it's really boring. And like, people are up there to see you do striptease and tell a story and be a character. Um, And I find that so many times people will just want to be like, look at all these things I have. Um, And that's that's annoying. Um, Another thing that I find kind of annoying is when people are really overt with social commentary. Um, I know that when people do acts, it's, there's always like a topic du jour, yeah. there's always like something that somebody wants to say, um, and I hate when people like write slogans or like have like words written out that explain to you how you should be feeling, and I feel like if you have to do that, then your act isn't good enough, um, but that's, that's, that's personal opinion more so than it is like regarded as, you know, a general feeling in the community, because it's not, that's just me, let me be clear. Got it. Yeah,
0: understood. Um, one more thing. Yes.
1: One more thing. Sorry, um, everyone seems to have a bubble popping act. There's everyone has one. Rarely is one done really well. Okay. And I will say I've seen two or three that I think were really, really, really good acts, but the rest of them are just like meh. Just everyone. I feel like it's just like a like yeah. a footnote in your resume. Like everyone has to have a pop the balloons act.
0: The loud noise aspect of that, I dislike deeply. I don't know what it is, but like, imagine being titillated in a certain way, and then like, a, like someone just like flashing a picture of a child at you or something like. It's just like, it's just like, ah, I'm out of it. <laughs> and that's what like popping a balloon is to me. Just like, oh, interested. Ah, ah, stop doing that. Okay. Um, so, ooh, you said more on that later about something, and it's going to kill me. What oh, yeah. was
1: it? it? was so I was talking about like you know throwing big vibrant movements into your into your act, yes. and um, so <laughs> so I have an I have an act uh, that I do with two other people, and um, it's it's to the white stripes on conquest, and like it's got this matador theme, where like there's two people, um, it's two. I, I use female-bodied performers in, in the act, and I, I'm the guy in the act, obviously. Uh, I don't know why I felt the need to mention that. Um, but it's a it's a three-person partner acrobatics sort of paso doble act. And the whole point is, like, there's a competing for attention. Yeah. And um, there's this one part where, like, where we're... The, the thing that moves around in the act is there's, like, a red scarf. So it's kind of like a bullfight matador sort of thing. Yeah. So the red scarf gets passed from person to person in a creative way, and I take it back from the person and throw it behind me. One time we were doing it on Club Cafe stage, and I was just like, well, I have to do this really vibrantly because it's a, it's a piece of fabric, so I have to toss it. But the stage was smaller, and the person was supposed to be entering behind me, and I toss the... Um, I I tossed the piece of fabric back, and like I I didn't realize she was right behind me, and I hit Chip Rocks directly in the face. Like I punched her directly in the face, and to her credit, she rolled with it. You couldn't even tell on film. She she takes a punch like a champ. Let me just let me state that.
0: I I think she that's what she wants to be known for being able to take a punch.
1: Yeah, I mean if that's your tagline, then I'm sure there's work for you. That's
0: sad. Um, Okay.
1: The Brick hit house. (laughs) that's 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 her new tagline. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wait, do performers often have Uh, taglines?
1: Not really around here, I've noticed. I noticed that there's a lot of people uh, elsewhere, like places in New York and, you know, Philly and D.C. and, you know, around the area that have taglines they use when they want to be introduced. Um, I was actually given a tagline uh, by... I forget. I think it was Mary Widow uh, Mary Widow or either or or her boyfriend uh, Chris Jensen who goes by sometimes Phallic Baldwin when he does performance stuff great name by the way Um, but they were commenting on something and I think it was on a Facebook thread where one of them called me like America's boyfriend and I think it was because of my tendency to like just run my Captain America act into the ground at every (laughs) because people people request it Um, I think that was sort of just a a play on uh, my like my wholesome like stage persona
0: you do have a very wholesome stage persona
1: yeah, I don't I don't know how that happens. I've done some depraved shit on stage. I don't know how I got away with it.
0: Well, because you like you like smile after and you're like, "I'm a nice guy."
1: <laughs> yeah, fedora and everything. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. That's awful. No no one should <laughs> no one should wear fedoras.
0: Wait. Okay, so wait, why do you have a fedora in like in your act but are also saying no one should wear
1: them? I, I was just sort of talking about the uh, yeah, the nice guy trope. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so
0: that absolutely 100% exists. I affirm that every day. Okay, so you go by a stage name. Everyone, does everyone go by a stage name? Like, I feel like it's a community where I know, how like have met people, but I don't know people because I have no idea what anyone's actual name is.
1: Right, so uh, most of the performers I know have stage names, and they use stage names because of, well, there's a, there's a lot of reasons. The main ones are, um, are that it allows them to proliferate on social media without the stigma of, your daytime employment or family necessarily being able to find that and associate that with you. Right. Cause there is a stigma with striptease in, in our society, people look at it and they say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be commodifying your, you know, your, your sexuality or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's not that it's, it's it's not that that's necessarily a big deal as much as it was, but it is still one of those protections that a lot of people don't want to take chances on. Right. Like I, I know people who, um, I, I know people who are in uh municipal professions who just really prefer yeah. that, you know, people don't know that. Like I I mean there was a there was a story with a with a um recently where uh, someone at the Ohio Burlesque Festival, I think it was, um, got filmed and it turns out she was an elementary school teacher and like that community that she taught in was in an uproar and you know she ended up losing her job and getting harassed by the you know the great wide internet um and that's just one of those things that it's i mean just goes to show you what can happen what we protect against um another reason is because um a lot of people uh, who go to shows for for some reason people feel like an accessibility to burlesque performers yeah. and so a lot of those people if they know who your what your real name is it gives them greater accessibility to your personal life that you may not want to grant them so i know a lot of female performers have to worry about i, I mean male performers less so i can say um but a lot of female performers i know would rather their fans not know their real name because right. that you know that that is a risk that they would be taking that makes
0: sense yeah Jeez. what is is there any instance in the boston community where you found like an issue with that or like where someone wasn't respecting the boundaries in the way that they should? Uh,
1: That's a, that's a tough one to think about. I I know that, you know, with my own privilege, I know that there's, um, I would probably experience that less than than others, but I have heard, um, I have heard that, you know, stage names for a lot of uh, female performers that I know are there, there have been close calls. I, I I don't want to tell anyone else's story yeah. too much, but um, but I know that. Uh, but I know that um. Shit, I you know I wish I could articulate this better, but it it happens. Yeah. it happens. Um, yeah.
0: All right. So, that's the dark, sad. <laughs> On to bright, happy. So, what are some of the characters that you haven't done yet that you'd like to do?
1: Oh, okay, so I'm a huge video game nerd. Um, really. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: know, I, I I don't know why I imagine I'm like I'd be able to tell that about someone, but I I would not guess that about you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not ashamed of it. It's just, uh, but yeah, no. There are some. Cl- there are some uh, characters that I think are my sort of ultimate pinnacle that I that I really want to be able to do. Uh, I want to be able to do it like a Shepard strip from Mass Effect. Um, I think Shepard is one of my favorite video game characters. Okay. Um,
0: Can you describe that for me? I have no context at all.
1: Sure, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. So, so um, Shepard is pretty much like space Jesus. Uh, I guess that's uh, that just came out. I don't know why that, but um, but yeah, he's basically like the you know the the. the High-ranking person who's trying to save the universe from right. um, from this terrible, dastardly force of like sentient machines that are intended to purge all life in the galaxy, and okay. you know he's he's like the great unifier that gets all the alien races to team up against the reaver, the reapers. Sorry, uh, and you know that's that that's a fun character because those yeah, games yeah. are so cinematic, and I figured that would be fun to do. But you know if you don't know it, then it better be a damn good guy <laughs> which is a good rule of thumb. Okay. Yeah.
0: So how do you apply that to say the angel character or the? I mean, I feel like most people know who Captain America is, kind of. But like, how would you apply that in that scenario?
1: Right. So if it's a, so, I mean, everyone knows Captain America these days. But if I were to apply that rule to just any other character, uh, I would say, if people can enjoy the striptease and the content of the striptease without necessarily getting who the character is, then it's a good. That's a good act. If it's one that relies on reference humor and doesn't really drive itself unless you are in the inner circle of, oh, I, I consume this pop culture in particular, so I get it. Um, then the people in the audience are going to feel alienated. They're not going to remember your act. And right. that's, that's something I feel like a lot of people don't give enough thought to. Yeah.
0: Nice. No, I remember I saw you do, I think it has to do with The Walking Dead, and I don't watch The Walking Dead, but it was still like a good act, even though I was like, there's a guy, he, one guy has longer hair than the other guy hey that's the extent of my knowledge about this but yeah yeah that was great
1: yeah my wig was totally wrong for that too i don't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wouldn't even know (laughs)
1: yeah Yeah, no but i mean like even if you've never watched an episode of the walking dead i mean that's that's a partner acrobatics routine that we do that's also a striptease routine and i feel like everyone was excited about the spectacle and they enjoyed seeing it like i'm I'm telling myself everyone enjoyed seeing it they might have hated it they might have walked out of there and gone oh fuck that guy and and that other guy too um But, uh, yeah, there was that, and I I feel like even if you don't follow the show, The Walking Dead, I feel like if people can sort of see the characters and sort of generally get what's going on and be entertained most of all, then they're going to leave thinking they had a good time, and that's what's important. And maybe, you know, the the fringe benefit will be like, maybe I need to start watching this show if (laughs) it's anything like what I just saw.
0: Uh, Whoever directs The Walking Dead, uh, I think you can take you can thank Dale Stones for a few more watchers based on his routine. So he expects the royalty checks any day now. Uh, you'll, you'll find You'll find Look him up on the Internet. He's there. Do you have any regrets about what you've done in burlesque so far?
1: You know, I do. I do. There um, There were a lot of interpersonal situations that I could have handled a lot better. I know that... I know that in performance there's a lot of egos. Uh, everyone has an ego. I mean, if we didn't have some semblance of that, we wouldn't want to get on stage and show it off. I, uh, but I think that a big problem that we have in, the, in performance in general, independent theater, burlesque, maybe even comedy, what have you, is that we tend to gossip and be dramatic. Um, and I know that there have been times where I've partaken in that. There have been times where I have not handled the situation between people admirably. Like there have been times where, you know, without being too specific, um, where I've uh, maybe had an issue with an act and then ran it through anyway. And then, you know, the ultimate fallout has been, I'm in a worse place than I had been. Um, I know that there are people that I've left hanging because of my inability to schedule. So there have been times where, you know, maybe actually twice that I can remember, there have been times where I've just had a scheduling conflict and I said yes to too many things. And I ended up having to cancel one of them. And I feel like that's ultimately hurt me on more than one occasion.
0: That's a very, like, respectable thing to say. Not, like, working with this clown. Like, that's, like, a good person answer. So where do you see yourself in, like, three years down the line as you continue? Like, are there, in addition to other characters, are there themes you want to explore? That sort of thing. Yeah,
1: so... I'm really excited and nervous at the same time to see what else I'm going to be able to come up with. I mean, I've done a lot of great stuff in the past five and a half years that I'm really proud of. I mean, incorporating a musical element, like with Spike, like being able to play his, his song from the musical episode and then turn it into a striptease after that is one of my favorite things. Doing partner acrobatics is one of my favorite things to incorporate into striptease, even though I'm far from a professional circus performer. Um, but I think that I think that as as the years go on, you say the next three years is probably a good barometer for this. Um, I think that I want to get better at, I guess, I guess the comedic element. Like, I think that's one thing I'm sort of lacking in. Like, I, I think I sort of understand physical comedy, but I don't think I've ever really considered myself a funny person. I would like to learn more about comedy. I would like to learn more about how I can include those punchlines in my performance. And I'm sure that the character ideas will follow from that inspiration the more I the more I spend time learning it. Nice. I
0: uh, mean, I'm, I'm going to wrap up the episode, but then I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that. Um, So, last thing, what, okay, second to last thing, what are some things that your friends don't know about you that would surprise them? Oh, um,
1: yeah, uh, so, geez, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm a pretty open book for the most part, um, but, um, yeah, but, uh, but, I don't drink or do drugs, which I feel like is pretty uh, a pretty common thing, uh, or uncommon thing in the performance circle, um, so I know that I used to really get wasted on stage, and that was something that, actually, that's another regret, if you can just rewind a little bit. Um, I regret being so drunk doing a show that I don't remember curtain call, and then going up after stage and just like making a bunch of regrettable decisions, but um, but that's one thing that I feel like a lot of performance friends, is like it's so easy in performance culture to be like, here's your drink, take like, it, go get wasted, and then being... the being surprised when they find out oh here you just got a second drink take because I don't need it but uh, but that's one thing and also um, I don't know I, I, I'm pretty um, pretty quiet and uh, not not really an overtly sexual person which I feel like is something that is sort of expected from burlesque performers yeah, yeah I mean uh, I guess I guess that's the does that does that make sense? Is that am I that saying weird noises that don't compute? I, I don't know. I I feel like it might have. I could have been clear about it if I thought about it, but I wasn't. Now that time is gone, we are past it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, it's fine. I do think that is an expectation of burlesque performers, and I think it's performers. But I think it's interesting that you're, like. There's some people who I've talked to you outside of, like, an actual burlesque show, and they're, yeah, they're, like, kind of exuding that all the time, but, like, is it offensive to say that you're not exuding that all the time? No,
1: it's not offensive at all. Okay. I think it's, I think, I think that uh, there's different styles of being and different relationships people comfortable with and right. are comfortable with and are comfortable with, and... I think there's no wrong answer, but I do also do feel like from a fan base perspective and from like a sort of acquaintance, not necessarily good friends, but from an acquaintance perspective, people look at it and say, oh, you do striptease, you must fuck a lot. And that's not always the case. Like, that's not an expectation that you should have.
0: (laughs) That's a very reasonable thing to say. (laughs) You probably shouldn't have that expectation of anybody. Uh, Well, unless, whatever, that's fine. Um, Like, unless it's their job to do that, and then that would be the expectation. Um, So a thing I ask most people will you leave Boston ever and if you do where would you go and what would you miss about Boston? So I,
1: I love this town I really do feel like it's home um, I <laughs> I tried going back to Worcester as a performance artist once and it was probably not the best experience ever if I can put it tactfully um, we wanted to go and team up with this other troupe, um, the, you know, the, the the Wormtown Bombshells but We it turns out that they they didn't really have as big a presence in Worcester as we expected, and we didn't really know that there was really no burlesque scene in Worcester. So it's like it's one thing to play to an empty gallery that's called a rehearsal, pretty much. But yeah, it's just it's it's good to look back and say, well, at least no show I ever do in the future is going to be like that. But I'm sort of getting off topic here. Um, um, But yeah, no, I've been I've been to a few cities, and I've I've gotten the chance to travel around and see new places just as a performer, and. um, I, I kind of like San Francisco, I liked seeing drag shows out there, um, they're really over the top, so I could see myself living there if someday I, you know, strike it rich because let's face it, you need to be rich to live there, um, but I, I would never just, I would never plan to go there unless there was some sort of outward professional calling um, that sort of found me there, um, and if I were to leave I would probably come back, I really do like this town, I think it's got a great feel to it, I think it's really accessible and I think that we have a really great community here and I don't want to leave.
0: What would you miss if you did have to leave, or did end up leaving?
1: Jeez, I don't know if I could find uh, better buffalo tofu than we've had here right now.